Dios la bendiga. All right, here he goes. Remain standing, 2 Timothy, chapter 3. Dios la bendiga. Bienvenidos. Tacos and burritos. Enchiladas. Gloria a Dios. All right, here we go. Thank God for our Spanish-speaking brothers and sisters. Here we go. Let's begin reading 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. And uh, let's conclude down, if we can, please, verse number 10. So let's uh, read every other verse. I'll begin with the odd numbers. You join me with the even. Can we please? Let's know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fence, fierce, excuse me, uh, despisers of those that are good. Traitors, heady, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. For it. Ever learning but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so did But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as theirs also was. Verse 10 together, let's conclude. Father, thank you for the opportunity to be in chapel today. Thank you for these wonderful young people and the opportunity to uh, join you in global conquest. People who got saved this week and heard the gospel. The precious people that got saved in Walmart yesterday that heard the gospel of Jesus. On, on cold Sundays and different times, Lord, people go soul winning. They begin to share the, the wonderful truth of salvation. I'm glad someone shared it with me. Help us, Lord. Not only these young people here one day when they make a greater impact as they spread out all over this world, but help our graduates now. Think of Daniel and Aaron Lane in Nigeria the Osgoods that are in Ghana, Lord, the Sarvers and the Spears and, and the Demovilles and the Williams and the Christiansons. Lord, all over the world, people are hearing the gospel, the Johnsons in Brazil and so many places. Help us, Lord, to prepare today so that we can uh, be faithful tomorrow and today and then around the world one day. If you let us do it here locally or globally, help us to be faithful and I pray you'd please teach us how to live in a perilous day. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. In the early days of chapel, I just want to remind you about the First Timothy principles because everything that happens in your life, quite frankly, I'd love to see you have this. I was uh, texting with one of our graduates just this morning, and they are going off to a place of service. And they said, Pastor Wilkerson, I want to be, I want to be uh, faithful to the Lord. And I want to thank you, and you're not going to be my pastor much longer, but I want to, I hope I'm always, uh, you're someone that I can talk to and someone to seek advice from the rest of my life, and I wanted that to be the case. This particular young man is very gifted, and there's lots of places he can go, and lots of, lots of venues of, of service, and there are some people that want him to go there, and quite frankly, the direction of the church is not favorable. They're not as conservative 
in areas that they've compromised, in my opinion. There's other places that are a little more conservative, and he's got choices, and some of those have, have benefits and, and liabilities. But I pleaded with him. I said, I want you to, to de- dive as deep as you can de- dive in the knowledge of God, the knowledge of his word, but be simple in your, in your desires to please the Lord and stay on the high road of holiness. Don't compromise in areas of doctrine, your personal walk, your, your soul winning, discipleship, your testimony. Um, and it just grieves me oftentimes to see people who one time, you know, I have more respect for someone who's never uh, walked the high life of the Lord Jesus Christ that just continue in that way than someone who has, has, has known and been taught, then they stray away from that. I was talking to a young man recently, and they're just, they're just not sure about this. All At one time, and by the way, the investments in this kid's life and his family's life, his wife, has been unbelievable. And now he said, well, I'm not so sure. My dad's right about that. I'm not so sure uh, our, uh, our church is a biblical church. And it gets me really tore up. It's, I struggle with that. And the Bible tells us, continue thou. And the things that you've learned and been assured of, knowing of whom you've learned it. And, you know, everybody has that same story where whenever they go, go away, they start listening. And this young man uh, and many young men start listening to, to podcasts of people that are on the fence or someone on the other side of the fence. Somebody's asking dumb, doting questions that generate questions about what is truth. Be careful what you listen to. Um, that's exactly the digression that, that Satan takes oftentimes to get you ultimately to a conscience that's seared, where you no longer feel conviction. You no longer have a response to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Well, that's something you do not want to get ever in your life where God does not speak to you. I remember years ago hearing about a pastor who failed morally. And by the way, there's no blowouts in the Christian life, none. There's no blowouts. It's just a slow leak. It starts somewhere. Everybody who's in a wicked state, and some of you might be there today, it's not the way you've always been. You look back in your life, and you'll see a digression. You stop reading your Bible. You stop praying. You start listening to something you shouldn't do. You picked up music on your, on your, on your, your listening devices. You started watching things on your social media. It's, it's a digression. Boy, you need to learn to stop those things early because it piles up on you and it causes lots of challenges. But I remember this, this particular pastor had lost his ministry, but one of the young men in the church one day saw the pastor sitting in the fellowship hall in a folding chair with his head in his hands, crying. And the young man walked up and said, Pastor, are you okay? He said, I can't, I can't hear from God. I can't get a hold of God. Heaven is brass. I can't talk to him. He's not talking to me. And the reason he wasn't talking to him because the pastor was in sin. And he had just piled up a lot of sins without dealing with it. He could have stopped it right there. He could have confessed it and forsaken it. He just kept going until he, until he blew it completely. Ruined his family, divorced, and hurt his children, hurt his grandkids, and all kinds of things. And young people, you want to make sure that God can speak to you. You want to make sure your heart is tender, your, your conscience is tender. And uh, that they, these are things I think the Apostle Paul said oftentimes at very critical moments. He said, you know, I have a conscience that is clean before God and man. Your conscience is yours to keep clean. If it's not clean, that's your fault. 
That's your job. But usually you can tell when you start looking and you spend time with a lot of people. If, if you and I are close, you can tell if my conscience is, is, not, is not soft. You can tell by the way I act, by the way I dress, by my body language, how I respond. And you're, you're, you're confused if you think no one else can tell that. Your friends can say, you know, ah, oh, man, they're, they're slipping. I've I I never known them to say that. I never known them to laugh at something so so uh, so uh, immoral. I can just tell they're no longer wanting to do. They don't want to leave the singing on the bus. They don't want to witness to someone. They're not. They just they're going through the motions. And listen, if you catch that, catch that yourself because you want God to speak to you. It's important. But those First Timothy principles, just a reminder: keep your doctrine sound. Make prayer in your walk with God. Yeah, spiritually reproduce. Win, disciple others, and then those you disciple, those you win, help them grow in the Lord. These are things that, that really will bring a lot of joy to your ministry, and that, that is the pool in which God brings the next leaders. Tonight, I, I will step out of, the, out of church this evening about 10 o'clock tonight after teaching the Bible Institute, and, and I think it's wonderful, but it's not easy. It's easier for me to go home early, rest, get ready for tomorrow. And instead of teaching, teaching at, at the last hour of the Bible Institute. But I'm doing that, and I'm not saying I'm not a great example, but the reason I would do that is because there are people that got saved. I look at that Bible Institute, there's 45 people in there, and probably at least half of them have been saved in the last 10 years. They've been discipled, and they're growing on, and God's, God's got something going on in their heart. And I think one day they could pastor people. They could help their church. They could grow in the Lord. They could have a, a better life than, that, than they knew. But someone has to teach them. And that's not going to be done on spare time and pocket change. That's not done on convenience and comfortability. And, you know, it's not, it's not a big deal, but I don't get paid anymore for staying at 10 o'clock at Tuesday night. It's my opportunity. It's, my op it's the option I do. And sometimes we just do things because what's in it for me? Well, what's in it for you is you're a child of God. You belong to God, and you want to win and disciple people. Then train the ones you disciple. That's an important thing. And then you need to be a good example. Uh, be a godly example because people are watching you. At work, they're watching you. Uh, at, at, uh, in, in the world, they're watching you. They see it because your sermons whisper, but your life, it's loud. And uh, people won't trust you if they don't, if they don't trust what you tell them, uh, if they don't trust you first, for sure. Then chapter 5 is relationships and yeah, just making sure you're good at working with people because the ministry is a work with God's people, with people of large. And you've got, to, you've got to learn to understand that everybody's not going to be the same. And you're going to have people that are going to wear on you. Uh, I met with someone recently, and then they've sent me texts. Well, I knew, I knew you wouldn't care about me. I knew you don't, you don't care about me. You're the only, then another person, you know, you're, you're the only one the church cares about. No one else cares about me. You just have to, you're going to have, people that are going to frustrate you a little bit. And though you help them, and though you minister to them, they're going to, they're just, they've got baggage, they've got heartaches, they've got difficulties, they've got hurts. And that just goes with the territory. But uh, you need to learn how to treat people right. Love is not feeling right about someone, it's making a decision to treat someone right. And uh, think about that one again. Love is not feeling right about someone, but it's making a decision to treat someone, you know, if you only treat people right that you feel right about, you, you, you'll be by yourself because there's a lot of, lot, love is not cheap, it's expensive. 
And it takes a lot of, it, it's the more excellent way. And you'll never get enough of it, the 7-Eleven corner market. you got to go to Costco and Sam's Club. Because uh, love covereth a multitude of sins. Uh, love is the fulfillment of the law. He said you can, bear, you can boil everything down the Bible to two, two commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your, and chapter 5 is about learning to love. Whether it be compensating spiritual leaders whether it be caring for older women, uh, teaching ladies what to do in preparation for widowship when they are, they are widows, refusing young widows, monitoring your relationships, being careful about, about uh, who you spend time with because uh, as Paul told the Corinthian believers in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and verse number 33, be not deceived, evil communications. You got bad friends, bad influences, They'll corrupt your attitude. They'll corrupt your actions. Uh, evil communications corrupt good manners, and uh, they will change you. It doesn't matter if you're a 56-year-old pastor. doesn't matter if you're an 18-year-old freshman. You hang around the wrong kind of influence. It affects your attitude and your behavior. Your manners are changed by bad friends. He said, be careful about that. And then chapter 6, making sure your finances are managed with wisdom. And uh, thank you for letting me review those with you, and some of you... Um, I had someone tell me, Pastor, don't be afraid to review this again because I forget them, you know. And, and uh, but I want to, I want them to be, I want them to be a part of your fabric. And I thank you very much for letting me share those. We're in Second Corinthians chapter three, and of course, Second Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Second Timothy chapter three. Sorry about that. Second Timothy chapter three, and of course, that's a challenge. Paul is now in a prison cell, and he challenges Timothy personally. He challenges him practically, and now he gives him his perilous day challenge. And we find here 18 symptoms of selfishness that is found in society in general and oftentimes in Christian leaders. And he says, here are some things that you have to be aware of because these selfish sins will lend, will lend themselves of the selfish people, they fall into immoral sexual sins. And friends, you don't want to go there. The Bible says that the mouth of a strange woman is a deep pit and he that falleth into that pit is abhorred of the Lord. Uh, Solomon said that I find more, more, more challenging than death is immorality. The, the, bound, the, bind, the bands and the, and the attachments and the, the handcuffs of a strange woman. He said, but whoever pleases the Lord shall escape her. And I want you to escape immorality. I hope you want me to escape immorality. I don't want to. I don't want to get down that road at all. Every man that you know, it puts a mark on you that cannot be wiped away. It 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 brings tremendous damage. Any other sin you do, don't steal. Quite frankly, if you steal something, you can give restitution. If you're immoral, you can't undo that. It messes with you. It messes with your family. And you can't play with this. Like you got to think about immorality as a rattlesnake. That if you play with it, it's going to play with you, and it's going it's going to hurt you. My dad, man, he was fifty-seven years old when he passed away, and um, he hated snakes. My mother was from West Texas, and so there were rattlesnakes, king snakes, all kinds of snakes out in West Texas. And so my mother wasn't near as afraid of them. And sometimes she would tease my dad with that. I remember one day watching, uh, there was a snake that we'd run over in the, in, the, in the driveway, and my dad kept all of us kids in the car. He goes, oh, the snake, Janelle, snake. And he went out there. That snake was as dead as a doornail. 
my dad got out and got a car tool out of the back, and man, he was hitting that snake and backing up and hitting it, and my mother was just laughing hysterically. And us boys were trying to get out of the car. Dad, we'll go in and help you. Get back in the car. And boy, my dad was nervous. He beat that dead snake about 25 times and felt pretty good about it. And then he got in the car and went on to the house, and he got a shovel and took it off and thrown it away. My mother just thought it was hilarious. My dad didn't, he wouldn't even go to the reptile section of the zoo. You know, he did, had no interest in seeing another snake. He hated snakes. One time, I think I got him so mad, I put a little, a rubber snake on his pillow when he pulled his thing back, and I thought it was cute. He didn't think it was cute at all. Oh, he got mad. He, he was, I thought, Dad, it's just a joke. It's just a joke. It's not a joke, son. No, we don't do that. But you know, my dad, he lived 57 years and never got bit by a snake once. You know why? Wherever a snake was, he wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you know how you can stay away from immorality? You stay away from it. You don't get bit by it if you don't get near it. You, you identify problems there and you deal with that. You don't play around on the phone with that. You don't play around on your iPad with that. You don't, you don't text something. Good night, girls. If, you're, if your boyfriend asks you for anything immoral, flirtatious, or... or Hey, you ought, to, you ought to be a bell ringing off. Hang on a second. This is, this is wicked. You don't show you care about him by doing that. He shows he doesn't care about you by doing that. He's, 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 he's playing his cards. He's letting you know right now he's a pervert. He doesn't, want, he doesn't love you. He wants what you can give him to meet a sexual desire. That's, that, there's some problems there. Don't play into that foolishness. Same way with a, with a girl to a guy. And sometimes it can, be, it can go the other way. Stay away from that. It leads into sexual sins and then uh, searching sins. And then he says, just know, anyone who goes down a selfish, sexual uh, worship of education, they will be stopped. They'll be revealed just like the guys in the Old Testament who challenged Moses when he threw down the, the rod and it made a snake. Janice and Jambres, we don't have their name in the Bible, but these are obviously names that were recorded that, that Paul knew. He said, just like those guys, those magicians who could imitate Paul, uh, uh, Moses with those things. But he goes, they came to the realization that they were, their arms were too short to box with the God of the, God of the Jews. Jehovah was no, you're no match for Jehovah. They will be stopped. And every sin, sin, the Bible says that that uh, in the book of Hebrews, that, that you can enjoy the pleasures of sin for a what? Season. But the season's short. It's a short season. Sin can be fun. It, 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 it is that way. It's enjoyable. It's easy to get into. It's not hard. It's available. It, it's affordable. You can do it for free. Lots of things out there that are immoral and wrong and questionable. It's not hard to get wrong, not hard to like wrong music. It's easy. It's not hard to, to, to get into a physical relationship with, with someone you shouldn't be involved with. That, that, that's, that's, unfortunately, you have, a, you have a bent for that. But the, the, the season of sin is very short. And then it brings death, separation. And, and when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Sin, when it's finished, it bringeth forth death. And I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want that to happen to you. But that's going to happen. You get into sin, sin gets into you, and death is a result. It just destroys us. 
And I hope that you will get serious. When it comes to sin and temptation, go for the juggler. Lay down some strong rules for yourself. Do what you have to do. But one of the most important things is to walk with God. You grow the grass and grow the grass of, of, of holiness and sincere walk with God, you won't have to kill as many weeds. Many folks are always just like, I'm going to stop from that. I don't want to see this. I don't want to do that. You know one of the best things you can do? Keep your eyes on the Lord. Have your devotion time. Spend time with Him. Love Him. And I've used this illustration before. My lovely wife is here today. But I don't, I don't have to go around and say to all the other ladies, no, 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 no. I just say a big yes to her. I grow a love relationship with Linda, then I don't have to go around and say, no, I'm not, not interested in you. No, I'm not interested in you. No. I'm, I'm, I, I, have a, I have a large yes. And it's not hard to say no if there's a greater yes. And when you love the Lord, it's not hard to say no to something that's, that's going to hurt him and hurt you. And I, I pray that God will help us with all of that. Well, the Apostle Paul said, look, it's not going to be a walk in the park, Timothy. It's a perilous day challenge. And these are things you don't want inside of you, and then we don't want inside of me. Let's look at verse number two again, if we can, please. For men should be lovers of their own selves. We just review. He said, you want to make sure you're not selfish. Covetous. You've curbed that itch for more. Boasters. Don't brag on yourself. You don't need to do that. Let another man praise thee and not thine own mouth, a stranger and not thine own lips. You don't have to promote yourself. If, if, uh, if you don't have to brag about it, don't be boastful. Don't be proud. And uh, boy, pride really hides. I was sitting with the family the other day, and, and uh, it just grieved me to listen to the children's description of their father. And really, they just summed up their dad, and, and unfortunately, they have a very godly mother, but their dad is just full of himself, full of pride. And to the place that he will, he just, he just has exiled himself from all of his family. And, and his, fa- his kids at one time who loved and respected him don't have that respect anymore. And it's so great. You know, listen, if you have a choice between popularity and respect, popularity is very fading. Brother Tim Harold, I had a, a student that he taught in Hammond Baptist years ago, and he taught this principle and probably needs to teach it to me so I understand it better. But if you have to choose between popularity and respect, you better keep respect. Popularity is fleeting. Movie stars of a day, you know, they're popular a little while, then they fade off and who ever cares. They just show their picture 30 years later. Can you believe they look like this? You know, that's all. They they don't do any more acting. They're done. All they can do is look back on what they used to be. But respect is something you want to have. And respect is something you don't have when you're proud. Proud people are blinded to their own uh, and their, their, their liabilities. They're blinded to their own their weaknesses. They just exaggerate everybody else. They see everybody else's weaknesses, but they don't see their own. Because pride hides and it's very, it blinds. He said the proud. Look at verse number two. Blasphemers, be careful what you say with your mouth. Disobedient to parents. Listen, folks, you, you didn't pick your parents. And uh, that's, that's something that God fixed for you. And you may not always have godly parents. Some of you have maybe don't even know your dad or your mom or dad are on a different, different pathway. And I'm sorry about that. But I would encourage you to very much uh, love your parents, respect your parents. Uh, make sure you don't have bitterness toward them. If you have bitterness toward your parents, that's you. That's not them. 
You can't control them, but you can control your response to them. Be obedient and submissive to your mom and dad. And unthankful, well, that's, a, that's a problem. Unholy, these are the descriptions of selfish leaders and people. Verse number three, now we're going to new territory here just for a few minutes. Without natural affection, just they, they really don't, you know, to put a baby in a dumpster, something's wrong with you. There's, there's something weird about that. To, for a guy to want, to want an immoral relationship with another guy, that's not natural. That's not the way God wired you. For a girl to want a relationship with a girl in an immoral way, that's not natural. By the way, God calls it against nature. Okay? He said, but that's, that's what people now are talked into thinking that's, that's, that should be normal, it should be tolerated, and it should be okay. God says, no, that's not. It's with that, that affection is not natural, it's not biblical, it's not right, and it brings tremendous pain. And I don't care how much you think it feels or I was wired this way, you were not born that way. If, you, if, if, there, if there's some kind of a, a, a ancestral uh, uh, propensity for that inside of you, it, it doesn't mean it's biblical. It needs to be attached just like that some... Some folks, I have, my grandmother was, uh, was an alcoholic. My dad worked really hard to make sure none of us never even tried alcohol. But I have some of my, grand, my, my dad's descendants have tried it. And some of them are, are really captivated now just because they tried it once. And I think my dad understood there were some ancestral tendencies. He wanted to make sure we never tried it so it wouldn't be a propensity. Some of you might have grandparents or whatever, and you have familiar spirits within your family that you need to address and deal with. Maybe your, grandpa, your grandfather had an issue with pornography, and you find, why do I have such a stronghold with that? Or drugs or bitterness. Some of you have bitterness running through your family, and you, 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 you need to understand, okay, that's a problem. And you don't, have to be, you don't have to be a victim of that. You can be a victor. You don't have to be somebody who is enslaved by that. You can, you can stop the circle of sin. Deal with those things. And regardless, and some of you may have a little bit more, the, the devil has a stronger stronghold on you. But in, especially in this area without natural affection, homosexuality is a sin. It's an abomination. It goes against nature. He said that without natural affection, that's not a natural thing. God made them male and female. Okay? And don't buy into this thing that, and unfortunately many Christian young people, and maybe even some I'm talking to right now, I have to say, well, you know, just we just, you know, some people just have that. It's, I don't know that's all that wrong. It's wrong. It's wrong. Don't get, don't get, don't get roped into that. Don't get buying into the fact that, well, you're just different. You're not different. You're under the same law of God that everyone else is involved with. And God's already spoken, and you need to side with God and say, okay, if this is an issue, I need to deal with this. And stay on track for that. Look at the next thing. Without natural affection, truce breakers. They can't keep their word. Listen, young people. If you say something, you're going to do something, you're bound by your word to do it. Don't, don't, break, don't break your promises. And I know that we all have a tendency to say, well, I'll be there at 4 o'clock, and if you're not there because your car broke down or you forgot or something like that, we have to deal with that. But be someone that really your word is your bond. We know that if you said you're going to do that, you're going to do it. But in, in this day and age, in, in these perilous days, he's saying, look, they don't, they don't keep their word. They break their word with regularity. They don't think anything about that. They lie. It just doesn't matter. I mean, not, everybody lies. No, no, everybody doesn't lie. 
And I think we need to learn to keep our word, truth breakers. And then the next thing the Bible says, false accusers. Be careful about accusations that are not, they're not honest. And, and this happens in a college. It happens in ministry. And um, dealt with it in recent days. Someone sent me a text of an accusation against someone. And, and, and I, I, I did the investigation because I felt I was responsible to. And I don't find, I don't find substantiated. Talked to the very person. He said, you know, pastor, it's not true. And someone said it. Someone brought it up. Someone hates my guts. And they made up a story about me. And now it's out there. And I had to address it. But now other people are picking up on things that are not true. They don't even know what they're talking about. False accusers. Look at the next one. And, well, of course, we see it today. Incontinent. That means they can't contain. They're addicted. They can't control themselves. They have to have it. They, if, if they, you know, whatever it is, they cannot, they cannot contain their, their impulses to do things wrong. That can be done with gambling. That could be done with cursing. It could be done with temper. It could be done with immorality. Could be done with pornography. So they, 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 it's the sign of the time. They, they cannot, they've not brought their body unto, under subjection. Incontinent. What's the next thing the Bible tells us? Fierce. It means they're just, they're, they're, they're cruel. Despisers of those that are good. Traitors. Heady. Cocky. There's just something about that. You know, I, I was uh, listening to a brother preach the other day on, uh, on a, 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 some sort of thing. And, and you know what? The message was really good, but uh, I really appreciate the humility in which he gave it. I've oftentimes listened to people, and it just seems like they're just a little bit, they got to have it their way. If you ever come into a, a youth group or you follow up with a teacher of last year or you come to a church and you're pastoring a church, listen, be careful that you don't throw the previous people that reason you're there under the bus. Careful, you think, ah, you know how the former administration did. Well, it might want to be that, that cockiness is going to come back to you. Be careful that you, you, if, you're, if you're good at something, uh, glorify God for that. And be careful that you're not heady, cocky, high-minded. Then lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Uh, if you're not careful, we're just looking for the next party, looking for the next vacation, looking for the next day off which we ought to have day off, so I'm glad to have them. Some of you thought it should have been today, right? At the same time, uh, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Be willing to do it. And God has a lot of competition of your loyalties. These are attributes that you don't want to have inside of you. From this sort, these 18 selfish attributes, you find it just goes down from there. I don't want that for you. You don't want that for me. And then we'll find that it, it ends up in an abrupt, Halt. But while we wait for that, there are several things in the rest of the chapter we'll talk about, four things in particular that we do to combat a perilous day in which we live. How you can, how you can deal with, with uh, the, these 18 selfish sins and moral sins of our day, how we can deal with that, and we'll talk about that in a future chapel. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege to share these words today. Help us, Lord, to stay above reproach and how we live as leaders, as students, as faculty members, work in our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.